Ricky and I have had very candid conversations about where we're at as an organization and what we need to do to get to the next level. And again, we mutually decided that now was the right time to uh, make the change in that position. The ideal candidate is going to be someone who has experience with a championship organization in recent years. Recent October experience with a championship organization would, would be ideal. This is Andy Mazur, the podcast. And good evening. Andy Mazur here with you on my podcast. Uh, I was going to wait a couple of days before putting out a new episode, but of course, uh, situation warranted to get one out here earlier today because of uh, all the news circulating around the Chicago White Sox today. I figured that was probably uh, time for what we would call an emergency podcast, and it's coming your way right here and right now. Well, an interesting day, to say the least, for the Chicago White Sox. We just heard from General Manager Rick Hahn that the White Sox and their manager Ricky Renteria have mutually agreed to go in separate ways. Uh, this after a four-year run at the helm for Renteria, who won 35 games and lost 25 in the pandemic-shortened 60-game season, finishes his four-year stint as a White Sox manager, 236 wins, 309 losses. It's a 433 win percentage and uh, actually went up in his positioning from every uh, every year. Fourth place in 17, also in 18, then third place back in 2019 and tied for second in 2020. So there's a lot of talk and a lot of reasoning behind the, well, what's going on. Nobody really knows for sure what the uh, decision-making process is all about. Uh, they talked about this being a, a process that had been uh, ongoing as far as discussions were concerned. Uh, over the last few years, and uh, as Rick Hahn pointed out in our little Zoom meeting with him earlier today, that this is not the resolution that everybody wanted and not the way that everybody envisioned this uh, coming to an end. But nonetheless, the uh, Ricky Renteria era is over with the Chicago White Sox, and it's on to uh, now a managerial search, which uh, which will not include one name that a lot of uh, fans probably wanted to at least be considered, and that would be Ozzie Guillen, who, of course, led the White Sox to their World Series championship in 2005, also back to the playoffs in 2008. But uh, he will not be considered. Jerry Reinsdorf actually making that call earlier today to uh, let Ozzie know that he would not be a man that is considered for the uh, new job or the new manager's job for the White Sox. So, again, there's going to be a lot of speculation, and there's going to be some things probably coming to light over the next few days. But uh, as it is right now, we just want to talk about the impact and what – other people in the uh, industry that have covered this team for a long time think about this process. And uh, I'm going to welcome in now longtime MLB.com beat writer for the Chicago White Sox uh, through MLB.com. Scott Merkin uh, joins us now. And Scott, uh, let me get your immediate thoughts as to what uh, you heard from General Manager Rick Hahn earlier today. I would say uh, surprising, stunning is the first two words that come to mind. You know, first of all, I really thought Ricky would be back. You know, I, I believe he had one more year in his contract, so I thought he'd be back for 2021. I mean, empirically, if you look at the results, 35 and 25 after losing 189 games back-to-back seasons, uh, finishing one game out of the division is pretty good. You know, I mean, if, if what happened, what would this results have happened if you would have flipped the season? You know, they were, what, 10 and 11 at one point. So let's say they were uh, 13 and 21 and then finished, or what if they just forget about all that? What if they beat Oakland in that game three, which they had, what, a three-nothing lead in that game, right? So what if they beat Oakland in that game three and maybe take Houston to five games before, you know, losing? It was Houston next, right? Yeah. I mean, does that is that enough to keep Ricky on? Or was this, as Rick said, really a decision that had been kind of in the making? You know, they've been having the discussions of the future of the team and that sort of thing. 
I mean, ultimately, it's, it's, it's an interesting decision to me because, you know, I've covered the team for 18 years. You've been around the team in Chicago for a long time. And as Rick said, it's a very insular hiring process. You know, I mean, Jerry Manuel was the last guy to be hired that didn't have any White Sox ties beforehand. Ozzie, of course, you know, was a revered player here for 13 years and then had eight great years. Robin Ventura equally revered, if not more so, as a player managed for five years, and then Ricky was brought on as the bench coach. I think, you know, with someone in mind of taking over that job after Ricky was done. I'm sorry, after Robin was done. So now they're going on a process, and they're going to listen to other people's takes on the organization. They probably have people in mind. They probably have two or three top candidates in mind, whether they've talked to them or not, or whether it's going to take a while remains to be seen. But it's interesting that, you know, I think they know this is the time, you know. And, again, it's no shot at Ricky, no shot at Don Cooper. But they believe that with this being the time, with, you know, the Twins still pretty good, but Cleveland in a probably a big change coming up, you know, maybe losing Lindor at some point. And the Royals and Tigers still, what, two or three years. You know, good young talent, but still a ways away from being competitive. They could really lay a mark on this division for three to five years to come. And they believe the way to do that is to, you know, get a new voice in there. And, and kudos to them. I feel bad for Ricky. I feel bad for Coop, but kudos to them for making the move to, you know, keep the team moving. Yeah, it is kind of a bold move, and especially uh, the, the timing of it, especially a, a few days uh, longer, maybe after the season, and, and maybe Very we thought we'd there. hear from, yeah, yeah from what we thought we'd hear. And it's also interesting to, to kind of bring up, and I think they brought this up uh, when the Blackhawks made their, their moves, was the fact that, you know, do you check with the players? I mean, there's a lot of players that really related, I think, with, uh, with Ricky Renteria. Uh, namely, Tim Anderson, probably one of the, the, the brighter stars on this club. I mean, right. uh, I mean, I know that Rick Hahn said he talked to him, but I mean, that, that can't really be a motivation, can it? No, I, don't, I think unless you have a guy, and this is not Ricky, who completely lost the clubhouse, who was just completely out or flip side, was just beloved and got the best out of every single guy in there. I don't think you can let the players dictate, right? I mean, the players do their jobs. They play hard. They get a good salary, you know, across the board for doing it. But you can't have them. I mean, I, I thought it was great that around the trade deadline, Rick kind of Rick and uh, Ricky and Jerry Reinsdorf and Kenny Williams met with some of the leaders of the team to, to get a pulse on the team. Maybe that had some sort of effect going forward. But I think um, you can't ultimately – every manager, good good or bad – hey, you know, Ozzie Guillen won 2005 World Series, one of two Chicago managers in the last how many years? 110 to win a World Series. He took the team to the playoffs in 08 with a ridiculously good managerial job when he had so many injuries and they had to win, I think, four different games and four different teams in four days or something like that, maybe three and three. And he was not universally beloved in that clubhouse. You know, no manager is. There's no manager you're going to find that everyone says, this guy's perfect. There's different personalities. You have, you know, 28 this year, usually what, 25, 26. There's, no one's going to, you're not going to have similar personalities. So I'm sure there are some guys who are very, I know Jose Abreu was very close with Ricky. You know, I, I'm sure there are some guys who are very saddened by this. I'm, everyone is saddened by a guy who busted his behind to do a good job as a manager, losing his job. But I'm sure there are others who are like, okay, it's time for a change. I get it. Let's move forward. You know, it was an interesting conversation we had with Rick Hahn earlier today about uh, lasting almost an hour. A long conversation, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it covered a lot of different topics. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot, lot to get to here. But you, you mentioned Ozzie Guillen. And uh, it was interesting that, uh, that Rick Hahn went uh, as far as to say, okay, listen, I'm not going to tip my hand as far as anybody that I'm interested in, but I will tell you that Ozzie Guillen is not a candidate. So it was kind of interesting that he, he brought that up uh, pretty much unsolicited. Yeah, it's funny. Rick Hahn, he, 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 you have to, like, I've gotten 
decent, I think, at reading Rick Hahn. Rick says, and this might be intentional, it probably is. He says a lot without saying a lot. You know what I'm saying? Like when he talked about what managerial candidates he's looking at, he said, well, it's probably not going to come from within. He said, it's someone who we'd like to have October experience recently. And he said, you know, managerial experience would be ideal, but not necessary. So, you know, you already are limiting the, the kind of list down there, the, the checklist as to who would be candidates. You know, there's a couple of guys who jumped to mind right away. The thing with Ozzy is Ozzy is a bigger than life character. We know that. And he does a phenomenal job on the pre and post game show with Chuck Garfine and Frank Thomas. Very opinionated, certainly not constricted by working, you know, for the team, obviously. You know, they, they state their mind. If they like something, they say it. If they didn't, which they didn't during that last road trip and didn't during a lot of the Oakland series, they say it. But, you know, Ozzy was the one who won the World Series championship in 2005. So Ozzy, obviously, because of that, and because of the fact that he has talked about wanting to get back in the game, which he deserves another shot, I think. He was a very good manager. He was going to be a candidate. So I think it's a smart move by Rick. They, they paid the you know, due respect to Ozzy by telling him, hey, you know, we, we think the world of you. We're glad you're a part of this organization, but you're not the right fit right now for this job. And that already staves off countless you know, rumors, countless social media interpretations and how he should or shouldn't be the next guy. So. It was a smart move by Rick, and it was it, it, not a smart move. It was a smart decision to be made, and I think benefits both sides. You know, and hey, maybe Ozzy will get a look at some other openings, and people know, okay, he's not in the running for the Sox one, so we can go, you know, strongly after him in this way. Getting back to Ricky Renteria for a second too, because you know he'd never really been given an opportunity to manage a team that that actually had a chance to go ahead point. and win something, you know, and uh, this was the first opportunity for him. And I think, uh, you know, fairly or unfairly, you know, he got a lot of blame for what was going on down the stretch. And you could argue several different moves. But, you know, you could also argue the fact that this was his first foray into the playoffs with a team that should be built to go back and maybe do it again next year. And as Rick said today, Rick Hahn said today, you know, let, let's consider the window being open now. So right. that also makes me a little curious as to, you know, the timing on things. And did Ricky really get a fair shake or – was this really what, uh, what it uh, is at the surface, a mutual decision by both parties to kind of to go their own ways? I mean, I've talked to other people about this. I mean, if you're going to look at it right, it's kind of an organizational failure, right? It can't just be on Ricky. Okay, you don't like that, for an example, Ricky put Carlos Rodon in a situation with the bases loaded in Cleveland that, you know, probably cost them that game. And again, no disrespect to Carlos who hadn't pitched in relief since his rookie year. And I think had done so three times in his entire career out of like a hundred appearances. So maybe they don't like that. But then again, you know, the decision was made at the trade deadline, not to go after, not to go after a bigger piece there to try and help win this year that will jeopardize the future. So the manager can only do what he can do with what he has. You know, I, I understand that he's got an Aaron Bummer, one of the better late inning high leverage relievers in baseball, but Aaron Bummer was also hurt a good portion of the season. It was kind of a surprise, not a surprise, but a pleasant development for the White Sox that he even was able to come back and pitch that last series and pitch in the playoffs. So this is not Aaron Bummer from last year when he had the, you know, two ERA in 56 games. It was, but it wasn't the experience. You know, he had missed a good portion of the season. So yeah, I think, you know, it's, I think if you want to lay blame on Ricky, sure, you can say that. You can say he made some question moves. I know people didn't particularly love his lineups all the time when he had, you know, Encarnacion consistently hitting fourth when he just was not having a good year offensively. But I don't think Ricky operates in a vacuum either. You know, I don't think Ricky puts Rodon in and Kenny and Rick are, you know, out having a drink or two or whatever. And the next morning they wake up and say, 
oh, I didn't realize this happened. You know, they're very hands-on guys. I'm, I'm not saying in terms of controlling, but they care about the organization. They care about winning. So they're very invested in what's going on. And there's a very, there was a very open line of communication there. So yeah, I, I think the manager ultimately takes the fall, but you know, this team was, this team probably ended up where it should have ended up. Maybe they could have got one, gotten one, one, one more series, but you look at like the Rays and what they're doing right now versus the Sox and the Rays, as you see overall, are probably a, a notch above the White Sox. So it's, it's sad for Ricky because of the fact that, you know, when he was let go by the Cubs, they were just on the cusp of getting good. With the Sox, at least he got the taste of the playoffs of getting good, and maybe he'll get another chance. But, yeah, it's tough when the first time a team has finished over 500 from 2000, since 2012, first playoff appearance in 2008, and your reward is a pat on the back and saying, you know, we're parting ways. Sorry about that. So, yeah, it's a tough decision for it. I just want to add real quick before you go to the next one. You know, Ricky, and you know this from working with him, a, a classier guy you will not find. You know, just a, a great classy guy who, as one person in the organization said, was devoted to baseball. 25-8, not 24-7, 25-8. And this is a guy who has a great family on top of it, too. You know, so he was dedicated to winning. So you can't fault that. It just didn't work out, and change is kind of part of the game, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm a little biased in that person approach as well because I've known Ricky a long time and worked right. with him for several years. And, yeah, you're not going to find a better guy and a, and a guy Absolutely. that knows baseball. I mean, that, that's, yeah. that's the bottom line. Scott Merkin of MLB.com joining us here, talking a little bit about the White Sox moves here. Uh, with Ricky Renteria and the the team mutually parting ways. So with that said, uh, where do you think they go next? I mean, they they, they kind of outlined what they wanted. I mean, are there names that uh, that you have heard so far or, or you would think that uh, would be a, a good fit for this team? Well, I mean, you know, guys like A.J. Hinge and Alex Cora fit the criteria that Rick stated. You know, manager who's had recent October championship experience, who, you know, have done good jobs of their previous team. Now, obviously, there's the stigma attached because they're both serving suspensions for, you know, the, the respective cheating scandals they were somewhat involved in in Houston and Boston, respectively. So I think, you know, in that case, what they did was, you know, wrong. They admitted it. They were punished, and you can't hold it against them for the rest of their lives. So I think if you want – if that's who you want to go after, you go after the, those guys. I mean, Rick said managerial experience, prior managerial experience was ideal but not essential. So there's a guy like, what about Hensley Mullins, who's the bench coach with the Mets, who's gotten a lot of looks in terms of managerial search. Maybe he's a candidate. One thing I was, I was interested that Rick did say is that I asked him if there'd be internal candidates. And he said, you know, it's, it's pretty certain it's going to come from outside. So it's, it's interesting. It's, you know, I, I think they felt like they've hit a point where they've built this team for success. And now it's time to just get, get away from their comfort zone and see who can help them get to that next level. So aside from that, oh, Sandy Almar Jr., of course, another guy who's got a White Sox connection, who is very well known, and who did a nice job filling in for, you know, when Terry Francona was sadly battling some, some uh, you know, health issues. I'm sure he's a guy who will get an interview and get a chance to, you know, talk about this job too. You know, I saw Bob Nightingale, who I think is, does a great job, mentioned Tony La Russa, and I'm not sure how. I mean, Tony La Russa is a Hall of Fame. I think I was at his ceremony. I believe he went in the same year as Frank Thomas did when I was out in Cooperstown there. I mean, one of the greatest managers to ever put a uniform on, right? And a guy who I remember doing a story with Jerry Reinsdorf in 2006 before the Cardinals came to town where Jerry said that was the second biggest mistake he ever made as an owner was firing Tony La Russa. But Tony La Russa is also 74. I mean, again, nothing, you know, you could be 74 and be as fry as someone in their 50s, you know, probably more spry than I am. And, uh, but I just don't know if that's the next step 
for I you know nothing against Tony like I said who's a legend but I don't know if that's net I'm not sure if he even won he even wanted to do it if it was legitimately discussed with him yeah I mean the only way that I could see that happening is if they bring in a guy as a bench coach who is the mentor in training or so to right. speak the, the student in training and and that relationship kind of developed over say one two maybe three years tops yeah it would it would seem to be like a one or two year deal, but that's not what Rick said in the press conference day, right? Didn't, from what I remember, Rick said they're hiring a, a manager and a pitching coach and a coaching staff that they hope they don't have to change for the next five to seven years right. in this, when this window is open. So I'm not sure if that would make a lot of – that would fit what Rick talked about. Yeah, and, and kind of the way that the, the job description, if you will, was portrayed, uh, Rick did leave himself a lot of wiggle room on a lot of different sides because – not only did he talk about the, the October experience and the recent October experience, but then you know, he started talking a little bit about Rocco Baldelli and, and a job right. that he did as having zero experience and taking the Twins to where they are, playoff appearances and back-to-back seasons. Yeah, Rick is good about covering his bases, you know, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean, I think Rick certainly was not going to tip his hand to anyone in particular, and I think, you know, maybe just leaving all options open basically there. So, yeah, I, I don't think anyone is that, you know, I don't think anyone is precluded who they consider a good candidate. I'm sure they have a list. I'm sure they've had a list for quite a while. And let's be realistic. You know, if Hinch and Cora are back on the market and people say, okay, what happened, happened, it's done. Let's move forward. There's going to be some openings, including the Tigers, I believe, who Alavila, their GM, mentioned that both those guys were on the list. So maybe that influenced the decision with Ricky right now, too, that they felt like, yeah, they could have given him another year. And if things started off, poorly in 2021 they could have made a change then maybe this makes sense to strike now while you know the fullest candidates are out there all right so with AJ and Alex Cora uh, I I know there's a lot of talk about those two guys especially uh, with rumors like you say not only with the White Sox but also with uh, other clubs that may have openings Uh, you know they are under suspension you mentioned earlier you know you kind of let that go but will, will a fan base like the White Sox be able to to say all right listen uh we forgive these guys they're they're the manager of the White Sox now uh, let's go, or is there going to be some lingering, uh, lingering feelings? You think? I think any lingering feelings, which there will be some, I'm sure, would be washed away by the team winning, right? I mean, if yeah. if they hire either one of those guys and this team goes into the All Star break at 50 and 27, I don't think there's going to be any worries at that point. Winning cures everything, pretty much, right? I mean, there was no complaints. There, there's smaller complaints about Ricky in August when the team was hitting 54 home runs and you know, basically the best team in the American League right there with the Rays versus the last 13 games when they finished 3-10 and 10 and had, you know, really three or four. I mean, the funny thing in that stretch is they really didn't get beaten that badly. They had like three or four really heartbreaking losses in that stretch. And, you know, I, I, I think there'll be some, you know, purists who rightfully so say, well, that's wrong and we can't get past that. But I think others will say good managers, you know, they've, they've served their suspension, which, you know, the Sox cannot talk to them until after the World Series when their suspensions are done. So, you know, it remains to be seen if either of those guys are even the hires. But, yeah, it, it, it'll, be, it'll be interesting. But I think, again, if they win – and I'm not even saying win a World Series. I'm just saying if they win consistently and put themselves in good position to move forward, then, yeah, I, I think all will be forgiven. Scott Merkin of MLB.com joining us here. And uh, the question I had <laughs> to you as a guy that's covered this team for a very long time, bigger surprise today, the, the announcement of the manager not coming back or the pitching coach? Wow, that's a good question. Um, I would probably say manager. Manager. I, I mean, I think Coop, you know, Coop is 64 years old. He's been in the organization since his 33rd year. He's been the pitching coach since 2002. He's the longest senior pitching coach in baseball. 
and I think he kind of understood. I think he's even said this to me a couple of times that he was, you know, kind of on the end trail of his coaching career. But I know for a fact that, you know, they can say mutually all they want. I do know, not talking to him today, but just recently, or, you know, even the start of the season, he wanted to go through the good times of the rebuild too, along with the lean years. He was very excited about the group they had and very excited about moving forward. So I'm not so sure about he, you know, kind of tipped it. I don't think it's, it was an adversarial thing, but I don't know if he tipped his cap and said, okay, I get it. Good luck with everything. You know, he may have said that, but I know he wanted to be pitching coach too. So I would say Ricky was a little more a surprise. I really thought the fact that they were, you know, 35 and 25 and the first years they could have succeeded under his tenure, they did for the most part. I thought that he would get at least the end of his contract, get one more year with the White Sox. Yeah, it's going to be very strange to, to not say, hey, pitching coach Don Cooper comes out to the yes. pump because, oh my God. like I mean, you he's, said, he's been there forever. He's made it through what? I think four – well, five managers if you count himself for two games. But otherwise, he's worked with Jerry Manuel, Ozzie, Robin, and Ricky. And then, like I said, in 2011, it was manager slash pitching coach Don Cooper for the last two games of the season. So, I mean, th- that's rare to see. You know, I mean, either – and you must be doing something right, even if you have a deep connection in the organization. If four different managers come through and, you know, the same guy is, is the pitch coach, you must be adjusting and evolving enough for the organization to say, yeah, let's keep him on and see what he can do. All right, as we get to wrap things up with you here, just give me your thoughts about what you saw this year and just the, the strangeness of it for you. I mean, from my perspective, it was strange. I never saw you during, during the season yeah, at all. No, usually we texted bump a few you. times. That was about yeah, it, usually, yeah. Usually I bump into you every, uh, all the time at the ballpark, uh, you know, for us, it was strange kind of being in our own little, little bubble and uh, going to guaranteed right field every game rather than traveling with the ball club in the same right, situation right. for you. But uh, what was it like from your perspective? Yeah, it was a weird thing for me because of the fact that I'm used to, you know, covering pretty much every home game, which I did. And then maybe like was there 81 road games, so like 45 of the road games, something like that. You know, that's usually where we get our days off, but to not travel at all, you realize how as much as you complain about it when you get to the airport and at 9 a.m. and your flight's at 11, it's already delayed till three. And you're like, how can that possibly be? You realize you missed that. You're like, I long for the days to sit in the airport Fridays or airport Ruby Tuesdays and wait for two hours until the flight's ready. But it was also weird when you thought about, yeah, I miss not being on the road, but they're literally minus seeing someone take a few hits of the batting cage before the game was nothing you could gain by being there. It wasn't like you could sit in the press box and Rick Hahn would accidentally walk in and say, let's do an interview. It wasn't happening. You were in different tiers and it couldn't actually I have a, a, a quick, funny story. Uh, when right before the season started, they put the cardboard cutouts in there. So I asked one of the people in the press box, could I go down and take some pictures of it? And they said, yeah, go ahead. Well, so I went beyond the tier three dividing line and got down into the tier one area totally by accident. not knowing. And Rick was sitting down there. And I didn't interview, but we were, you know, talking for a little bit. He didn't really, you know, sound the alarm that I had got into tier one, but I took a few pictures. I turned around and a couple of socks people were like running down at me. Like, you can't be in there. Get out of there. And I, I thought like I was going to be arrested. They, I mean, they were very sweet about it. And they were, you know, that I, I laughed and apologized. I didn't know, but there really was that division. And you know that Andy, because you weren't, you know, roaming the ballpark either. You came and you went to the broadcast wing and you left. Right. So it was just, I mean, kudos times six to baseball for getting this through and thank God no one was, you know, seriously affected by this health wise. You know, we taught, we saw you on Mankata. We talked a lot about what he went through, you know, thank God he's okay. 
but you know he dealt with that Freddie Freeman had you know horrible symptoms at the beginning and now may end up being the NL MVP this year so thank god they were all able to handle it but it's amazing that they got through and that you know they're going to crown a world series champion this year I think it was great for people to see it's a great distraction but it was very strange I hope next year and no one knows no one knows at this point what to that what spring training is going to hold you know we've already seen Sox Fest canceled and a number of fan conventions canceled I imagine the winter meetings is eventually going to be pushed to a virtual type of thing. I just can't imagine the way that's set up going through, but I hope 2021 is different. I hope there's a little bit of travel about I hope we get to go to spring training, which is a great time, especially with a new manager to cover the team and get to know the team. But most of all, I hope everyone is, you know, healthy, wear your masks. Let's get this done with as quick as possible. If there is a way and we can all beyond baseball return to normalcy in 2021. Amen to that. And, uh, and well said, uh, it was great to see that the strange season actually will be seen to its completion when there were a lot of question marks, uh, especially when the Marlins and the Cardinals started oh my to goodness. Uh, I, I, I thought at that point, it. okay, it's just, it's just a matter of days. Right. And I was, could not have been more wrong. And yeah, thankfully we were both wrong. On that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And MLB and everyone else who made that happen. Well, Scott, thanks to you for taking some time here. And we'll uh, sure. certainly keep in touch as the, uh, the managerial search continues and starts here for the White Sox. It's good to see you for the first time since spring training, basically, right? That's right. Very true. Good to see you, too. <laughs> All right. Take care, Andy. And it definitely was nice to see Scott Merkin, albeit through the magic of Zoom. Uh, we haven't seen each other probably since uh, early July when summer camp began. But uh, uh, Scott's always on top of things as far as the White Sox go. 18 years at the helm of the MLB.com desk as far as the White Sox are concerned. So we do encourage you to read his stuff at MLB.com or also at ChicagoWhiteSox.com. He... Uh, is always on it, and we uh, certainly encourage you to uh, check him out. You can uh, follow this podcast right here for the latest information as, as the White Sox get ready to get started on their managerial search. Uh, we'll have the latest for you whenever that uh, news becomes available. You can also follow me on Twitter at Andy underscore Mazur. That's M-A-S-U-R and the number one. And uh, we'll have the latest information again as soon as that becomes available. So uh, we encourage you to also to subscribe to the podcast. You can get us wherever you listen to your podcast. Uh, I believe we've just gone up on uh, Apple iTunes and also on Google Play. We're on Spotify as well. Uh, you can search us out uh, in all those stores and just search Andy Mazer Podcast, and you'll be able to get to us, and hopefully you will subscribe. Again, we'll uh, get, continue to follow this story here and uh, get you the latest information on this podcast also on my Twitter account. And a big thanks to you all for listening here today. And as always, and hope you'll join us next time. It's Andy Mazur saying good night here on the Andy Mazur Podcast.